to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we're going to be looking at the case of Secretary of State for Health and Servia Laboratories. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 24. And the case that we're looking at this week examines a tort that doesn't come up too often, the tort of causing loss by unlawful means. It takes a little bit to get your head around, so I'll do my best to explain it in relatively simple terms. In order for the tort to be made out, the defendant must have caused a loss to the claimant by interfering with the freedom of a third party which is unlawful and intended to cause loss to the claimant. It would be like blocking up the entrance to a shop. You're not causing a loss to the shop directly, but by not letting other customers in, you are at fault for economic harm. The central question in this case is whether the unlawful means has to have affected the third party's ability to deal with the claimant in order for the tort to be made out. Getting to the facts of this particular case, Servier developed and manufactured a drug called perindopril, which is used for a range of cardiovascular issues including high blood pressure. Way back in the early 2000s, a patent was granted for the drug by the European Patent Office, and then a few years later that patent was upheld. Servia then attempted to have the UK designation of the patent upheld in this country through a series of injunctions. However, the High Court held that the patent was invalid because it lacked novelty when compared to other existing patents. That decision was upheld by the Court of Appeal, and a branch of the European Patent Office then also revoked the patent. These particular proceedings were brought by the Secretary of State for Health, because they alleged that Servia caused a loss to the NHS by unlawful means. It was argued that they did this by getting and defending the patent, despite knowing that the idea was not a new one, or, at the very least, showed a reckless indifference to the truth when defending its novelty. To put it another way, this was a loss by unlawful means because Servia used the courts as a delaying tactic, and this meant that a generic form of perindopril could not enter the market until much later on, ultimately costing the NHS more than £200 million. The claim was dismissed in the High Court and the Court of Appeal because it was held that in the House of Lords case of OBG Limited and Allen from 2008, part of the ratio was that the dealing requirement was a necessary part of the tort. In other words, although Servier might have used the courts as part of a delaying tactic, because the courts didn't actually deal with the Secretary of State, the tort was not made out. The Secretary of State therefore appealed to the Supreme Court on this point, and that is where we pick things up. In order to provide an answer in this case, the justices had to clarify the decision in OBG, and to do so they focused on the lead judgement by Lord Hoffman. Upon rereading this decision, they established a few basic points to get us started. For example, the aim of the House of Lords back in 2008 was to clarify the position in relation to economic torts, and to be more precise, that meant limiting the extent of the torts so that they existed within reasonable boundaries. What we mean by reasonable boundaries is that the courts have to ensure that the tort does not encroach on areas that are properly within the remit of Parliament, and that is especially pertinent in relation to economic torts. In order to affect this in OBG, Lord Hoffman deliberately gave a narrow definition to unlawful means. With all that in mind, we can think about the dealing requirement that is at the heart of this case, and whether it is a necessary part of the tort for the third party to be dealing with the claimant. Ultimately, the Supreme Court decided that this requirement is a part of the ratio in OBG, and there were a number of factors taken into account when coming to this decision. 
The conclusion is compatible with the purpose of preserving an individual's freedom to deal with others. And Lord Hoffman's speech also makes it clear that he regards the dealing requirement to be a fundamental part of the tort, which he backs up with a range of other legal authorities. Retaining the requirement is also consistent with the aim of keeping the tort within reasonable bounds, which is something we spoke about earlier. Finally, the requirement has also been taken up by other legal systems in the Commonwealth, such as Australia, Canada and Singapore. However, even though the dealing requirement was held to be a necessary part of the tort, the Secretary of State argued that the Supreme Court should use its power to overrule the decision in OBG and remove the element of the tort. The reasoning is that it restricts the economic interest of the claimant so that it only exists by reference to a third party's ability to deal with the claimant. Furthermore, it was submitted that the other elements of the tort are sufficient to keep it within reasonable bounds without relying on the dealing requirement. The justices of the Supreme Court were not impressed by this argument and pointed out that there was no evidence that the dealing requirement had caused any great injustice in previous cases. Of course, the requirement does have the effect that it will generally exclude public authorities from being able to claim, but that is preferable to extending the tort so far that it has the effect of creating an indeterminate liability. It was on this basis that alternative formulations suggested by the appellants were rejected and their appeal was dismissed. Overall, while there are some interesting academic arguments to be made in favour of getting rid of the dealing requirement, I agree that it has to remain a part of the tort for practical reasons. As the justices pointed out, failing to do so would create indeterminate liability, while serving no real practical purpose except ensuring that this economic tort is also open to the public sector. Furthermore, the policy reasons are sound because if the decision is made to expand the remedies for public bodies, then that should be initiated by Parliament and not the courts. Personally, I approach it from a slightly different angle, but arrive at the same conclusion. If you remember, the case came about because Servier had apparently deceived the courts in its attempts to get and defend the patent, and this was the reason the Secretary of State brought the case in the first place. I haven't studied the case enough to really know whether that is true or not, but the claim seeks to punish the defendant for their use of the courts, and this itself is something that we need to be wary of. Naturally, misuse of the courts is not something that should be allowed, but a company should not be scared to legitimately defend their patent because they worry that there might be a subsequent action against them for causing economic loss in that manner. In general, priority should be given to access to the courts, and that is what the Supreme Court defended here, even if they did not admit to doing so directly. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you enjoy this podcast, then be sure to check us out elsewhere online. Um, we have uklawweekly.com, which is a repository for lots of old episodes. There's also my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Marcus Cleaver, where there are lots of videos available for people studying on a law degree. And there's also the newsletter, which is available on Substack. And you can sign up to that via the um, uklawweekly.com website. So um, check us out there. I'll be back with another episode next week. But for now, bye.